we have many anecdotes which are not suitable for public consumption. Oh, God, no, not at all. Hi there, and welcome to Borborygmy, Noises from the Veterinary World, the podcast that lets you overhear conversations between veterinary professionals about anything and everything that's topical in the industry. Today's podcast is the second of a special set of Borborygmy episodes that we've recently recorded to capture the changes to life in the veterinary profession since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic. We'll be featuring vets, nurses and students from across the industry over the next few weeks, with conversations interspersed amongst the original Borborygmy collection recorded at last year's London Vet Show. Loads of you have previously enjoyed the excellent CPD and famous social opportunities that the Vet Show offers in London every November. And although the prospect of gathering with friends and colleagues seems remote right now with the world in its current state, we will eventually return to some sort of normality and we will, as the Queen said, meet again. So if you'd like something to look forward to on the horizon, have a look at the Borborygmy pages of the Vet Show website for discounted tickets to this year's event in November. In the meantime, on with the show. Hello, hello. I'm Naomi Mella, veterinary surgeon and podcaster. And on Borborygmy today, I'm joined by Holly Norman and Jenny Bowen-Smith. Holly is a joint venture partner with Vets for Pets and is in charge of two practices in Peterborough with her business partner, Laura. Jenny is a small animal vet in the first opinion practice at one of the vet schools, so while she primarily sees cases, she's also involved with teaching and lecturing. These two met at the RVC from where they graduated in 2011. They are in the same rotation group at university and, according to Jenny, have been great friends, great drinking buddies and great support for each other ever since. You'll hear Holly first. You haven't experienced a very demographic until you've been to Peterborough. <laughs> you get good stories I'll be honest um, it's it's insane but another guy who came in and we, we asked him to wait in his car and he refused he, came, he pushed his way through the front door um, and we were like so you need to you need to stay in your car I'm afraid and he said I'm not waiting out there corona is a man-made virus that is to address overcrowding by taking out the weak <laughs> I was like Oh god, we've had a couple of ones like that. So people turning up without ringing first with em- emergencies, which were not emergencies, and then kind of barging into the practice. And then our poor nurse is just panicking in full PPE, cleaning the practice down because they just don't know what this guy's situation is. Because we've not had the chance to do the usual stuff on the phone of are you symptomatic or you're not, and explaining that they can't come into the building. And yeah, I've had phone consults where we've I've said, you know, I think oh, I think Fluffy's really poorly. Perhaps we, you know, perhaps we need to get Fluffy down, do some bloods, do an ultrasound. Did all the, you know, are you suffering from any symptoms? Are you isolating? Did it? She's like, no, 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 it's okay. Okay, so you know, you're all booked in at eleven o'clock. Do I need to bring Fluffy? Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> Something's but, never changed, even with Corona. <laughs> every time, you know what I have realised is, and these, these are so two facts that Corona have have made me realise. Owners cannot take photographs of their own pets, especially of their eyes. They no of any part of their pet. Any like just useless. I I can't describe how many useless pictures I've seen or useless <laughs> video calls that I've seen of like like 
people's chests when they're trying to video their own dogs or cats here we've had yeah yeah um, and there's and the person that always like video calls or answers the phone is not the person that's anything to do with the pet there was no, like jane never. jane is he vomiting jane <laughs> she's gone she's gone you're like well why don't you tell me oh no jean knows best um <laughs> And then they're just the second thing, which I have now realised after this week, is I can guarantee if the owner thinks it's a tick, it's not a tick, <laughs> and they have tried numerous ways of removing this from the animal. And it's and either it's, a skin tag or a nipple. Yep, yeah, hundred percent skin tag, wart, nipple, anything that's normal on a on an actual you know normal animal. I think the most frustrating thing we've had is owners who are. Trying to think of a nice way to say it, less than honest about what's going on with their pet. So we've had a few who've rung up for a nail clip request. We've said no. Three days later, they ring up. The claws are grown into the pads. So we've now started saying, okay, well, in that case, we'll do a telephone or a video consult first. Let's have a look. Send us a photo. Photo never materializes, and it's becoming pretty clear that they're saying that, knowing that it then classes an emergency, so they can come in. Or as soon as we say to them, okay, that's fine, but it'll be a consult fee plus any meds plus the nail clip fee, suddenly like, oh, no, no, it's fine, I've checked, they're not actually growing in anymore. And I think it's, they don't realise that we're putting ourselves at risk to provide an emergency service. Oh, that, yeah, we've had loads of that. The amount of abuse we've had over the phone for, for well, originally for not vaccinating, for not seeing nail clips, for not seeing routines, we have... Like the abuse and the rudeness has been phenomenal. We have definitely seen the best and the worst of our clients. People have been really horrible, and we've we've had several of those kind of ones, Jenny. We've had people we had people turn up and just go, "Well, while I'm here, could you do his nails?" And they don't realise like every single contact puts us at risk, and we can't distance from our teams. So every single client contact puts our whole team at risk because we cannot keep apart from each no, other. No, because you, you can't restrain a dog and have one of you hold it and one of you examine it and be two metres apart. You just you just can't. If if one of us goes down with it, it's going to spread like wildfire through all the teams, yeah. And then you think, well, how do we protect them? That the flu goes around all of us every every winter because we're all just we're all just in contact and... Yeah, it's, it's just really scary. And the way I've, I, I always describe it to the guys, I'm like, look, if you think this has got, like, what, a 3% like, fatality rate, think of 100 people and think of three people that you're quite happy to lose out of your life and then think how serious that is. That's flipping serious. That's really scary. You know, I don't want to be responsible for that. No, well, I saw a thing online. It was saying the average person's social circle is about 200 people. So it was like, okay, if you don't want to take the lockdown stuff seriously, pick six friends that you're happy to lose. I, de- I definitely don't have 200 friends. <laughs> yeah. She said social circle. Is it just people you meet? <laughs> I haven't got 100 friends. I, I, na- I now I'm trying to avoid several hundred Facebook friend requests from clients is what yep. I'm trying to avoid. Uh, as they're all like messaging me and I'm like, no, no. Not today. Not today. <laughs> um, I'll tell, tell you what I have still. So I'm, I'm currently working from home. I'm basically on call for my practice with a view of, um, most of my vets are a couple of years out, so they're fairly sort of newly qualified. They they can do most stuff, but I'm kind of on call for scary stuff, on call for the GDV um, or the C-section. Um, you do realise you just jinx them by saying that, right? Obviously. <laughs> quite, quite frankly, Jen, I need to go into work. I um, This is what I was going to say, is that especially with this weather, there comes a point about sort of about half four, I think, I, I might just have a PIMS in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then, and then I kind of you are sporting a pretty good tan, Holly. I'm not. Gonna I know lie. it's all the pims in the garden. Um, and then I have to text them and go, "Are you guys okay?" Because I might be about to pour a second pims. We need to know. <laughs> no, I've been lucky, so I've been able to do a decent chunk of my work from home as well. And then we, the way we're organised in our rotor, we've got one vet in doing emergencies, and then a second vet doing video calls from home. So it's it's quite nice because we can protect the people who are in and try and minimize their workload but make sure that we've still got availability for the clients and stuff but yeah the laptop is slowly migrating into the garden what i do love about the coronavirus this is one thing to love about it is as a team oh my goodness it's brought the team together so much as normally they wouldn't even care if someone had asthma or someone was you know diabetic but now they, they become this really overprotective bunch and they they really think about each other they really try and support each other um they tell each other off if they're not wearing the right ppe no it's you can't you can't go out and admit that cat hang on you need to put a mask on and it's that's really it's it's really nice to see that they are oh, they've they've really come together it's so lovely to like see them laughing and i, I facetime them all every day um and they always make jokes and send me videos and we talk about cases and they all banter a lot. And that's what that, I think that's probably the one positive thing that's really nice to come out of it. They've they've all really come out of their shell and just kind of cohesed as a team. It's great. So I've been really, really lucky in that I've got the the sort of ability to make whatever decisions I feel I need to to protect the team, which is great. And then the team I've got are just fantastic. So I've only been there since November. So I'm relatively new in the role. But we've also had another vet start within the last few weeks as well. So bless him, he's had a really, really tough start to his job. He's had like two weeks of normality. And then this, it's like, all right, welcome to the practice. By the way, you're now sole judge. So <laughs> it's all gone mad. <laughs> yeah, it has. But similar to Holes, the team have just really pulled together. So we've we've ended up with some really good working relationships. And it's just, yeah, it's been really lovely. If you talk to my nurses and my reception team, they're worried. They're worried about, they are worried about catching corona. They've got, they've got reasons that they're worried about it. They've got vulnerable staff, they've, you know, vulnerable family, or they feel vulnerable. I want to be able to look back and go, was it really worth it for that litter of shih tzu puppies? You know? Yeah, I, definitely. And God, I think I, just, yeah. I want to be able to look back on this and say, did I do everything I possibly could to protect my staff? Because at the end of the day, that's, why we're in the jobs we're in because we want to make sure we're protecting our team and if you can't look back and say that you've not done your job properly yeah that's what they'll remember a hundred percent we've we've had a conversation with i've had i've facetimed both the teams and gone i i we need to talk about routines and vaccinations and neutering how do we do that do we let's have a conversation about it in the how do you do it and you guys feel safe because if they're not on board and they feel that if any if they feel that any reason that I'm I'm asking them to do that is money related, they will never forget that I did that at that point, especially if they get sick. And I've seen that at friends with practices that I know of or friends, you know, from uni and stuff like that, where they're being put into situations by bosses or by managers and they don't want to go to work, but they can't afford not to go to work and they've not got the option to be furloughed. So how how do you justify that? Isn't it? I just think what a shame that we can't kind of unite and and actually sort of, pro, sort of project this amazing message of you know what this isn't that important. We need to do this. You need to do this. Um, and it's it's just a shame that you've got there's there's definitely there's staff out there who are really worried, really worried. It's true. I saw a meme the other day, and it was um, 
you know, when you go for your next job interview, after they've asked, after they finish asking you everything, you then ask them, how did you treat your staff during the pandemic? And that's how you decide whether you take the job or not. I saw that. It was a bit like, what did you do in the pandemic, daddy? It's like, oh, <laughs> I saw loads of, I saw loads of boosters. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can follow me on socials at Naomi the Vet with underscores between. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please do tell a friend or give us a rating and a review on iTunes, as it really does help other people to find us and spread the word about Borborygmy. Borborygmy is a collaboration between the London Vet Show, Vets at Stego Diversify and Smashing the Ceiling. Thank you to everyone involved so far for your help and support. It has been much appreciated. We'll see you next time. <laughs>